Hello, mamas. Welcome to the Motherhood Podcast. I'm your host, Jade Abbey, motherhood empowerment coach, founder of the Motherhood Community, and together we are going to redefine motherhood. This podcast is for any mama out there that is ready to step into her power, rediscover herself, and be inspired to thrive as the best mother she can be. So join me each week as we begin to create bigger conversations around the journey of becoming a mother, as well as interviews with the most inspiring mothers from around the globe. So as a community, we can start to empower and uplift each other in this wild but beautiful journey called motherhood. This is episode 17, and today on the Mother Her podcast, we are joined by fellow mama Lavinia Brown. Lavinia is a one-to-one psychodynamic coach for mums. Her purpose is to support and guide mothers who are feeling anxious, angry, or depressed in beginning to understand, heal, and overcome their past traumas, clear inherited emotional baggage, and overcoming unconscious patterns while asserting healthy boundaries into their life. Lavinia specializes in inner child healing, and in today's episode, she joins us to chat all about her own healing journey and how it's impacted her journey as a mother. She delves into what the inner child is and how unhealed traumas can show up within motherhood. She shares with us the main signs of an unhealed inner child and how we can begin to identify our triggers that may be linked to it. We touch on the benefits of healing as a mother and how our children benefit from this. And lastly, she shares with us ways in which we can start the healing process, learning self-soothing techniques, and begin to heal our past. So without further ado, let's bring on the beautiful Lavinia Brown. Hello, Lavinia. Welcome to the show. Hi, it's great to be here. Thank you. It is an absolute honor to have you on here with me today and I cannot wait to um, get stuck into this topic with you around inner child healing and how we as mums can, um, I guess, start to get a better understanding of what the inner child is and what we can do to start healing our inner child and past traumas. And um, I've actually been really looking forward to this episode um, and just to listen to what you have to share on this because it's definitely been something I've personally been on a journey with over the past sort of five years, pretty much since I've had my daughter, um, I started getting more curious about what the inner child was um, and then started slowly started my own healing journey. But I know for me personally, it has been hugely impactful and completely changed the way that I now show up as a mother um, and within myself. So I really can't wait to get into this. Um, so would firstly, would you um, maybe share a little bit about your personal journey within motherhood and what has kind of led you down this path of supporting and coaching mums in the area that you do? Sure. So my motherhood journey started 11 years ago. I have three kids, 11, nine and eight. I always have to think about <laughs> eight, nine and 11. So I had three in three years, which was a bit crazy looking back, but I was a I was on a bit of a roll and I'm, I was very controlling, much less so now, partly because of inner child work. And I think in my head, it was like, right, let's get this done, get them all over and done with. And then they're like a little unit that can play with each other. But 
obviously life doesn't work like that and they are very close in age but they they don't all get on all the time and I think that was my way of trying to compartmentalize kids you know almost like a tick I mean this is how organ this is how control freaky I was so I had three and three years and I found it really 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 difficult really difficult because you can't just tick the motherhood box they're not like pets that you just they're not all the same for a start which is seems completely obvious but I didn't get it until I had my second it was like okay I can do this had the second she was completely different screamed all day long never really never really got to the bottom of what she was screaming about did the whole lactose intolerance thing but she was just very different very very different to my first so that already I think that was the biggest catalyst that made me look at myself like what I was doing with the first which had worked because she's a bit of a people pleaser she's very obedient that worked fine and then the second it didn't work at all so I had to look at me I had to realize that kids aren't all the same and everything kind of unraveled a little bit and then I had a third and it was all just oh, a lot um really challenged me in terms of tolerance in terms of patience in terms of being out of control and I realized that a lot of my reactions to them were completely disproportionate to what they should have been I mean I know we all get a bit of the Oh, I'm not a good enough mom. That mom never shouts, or that mom's always much more patient. But this, this is what brought me into inner child work. You know that you're being led to something from your past when your reaction's really disproportionate. And I was reacting disproportionately most of the time, and just com feeling completely out of control with my emotions really not liking it, really feeling unhappy, feeling like I was a terrible mother, a lot of shame, a lot of guilt. I was suicidal at one point, just thinking, honestly, I'm such a bad mother that they would be better off without me. I just, that's how I felt. It was awful. So really dark. And then I've done lots of healings and uh, courses and trainings and counseling and all the rest of it. And in the end, I, I came across a lot of it didn't work um and inner child work did did help because for me that was my way of accessing self-compassion and I think that's kind of the key to at least not if not being a better mom feeling like at least what you're doing is enough because you know that you're doing the best that you can with the tools that you have and the only way that I could access that self-worth I guess was through inner child work because it allows you to love yourself and for years people have told me you just need to love yourself and it will all fit into place you just need to love yourself and I, it would just drive me mad because I was like okay fine how how am I meant to love myself I don't even particularly like myself mm -hmm. like where where does this love come from and my background is such and a lot of the clients I work with that that was never really role model to me I didn't I had everything everything was fine we lived in a big house I went to private school I like materially it was fine but emotionally very very lacking so I didn't know how to love myself firstly because it hadn't been role model to me secondly because I didn't know where to start like it just I didn't like myself. Like I said, I felt a lot of shame and guilt. I felt like I was a bad mom. So inner child work was the tool that helped me 
And when I came out the other side, feeling just so much more calm, less volatile, less angry, less sad, less um, critical of myself, I thought, my God, I have to share this. I, I can't not share it. I mean, I'm a bit of an oversharer anyway with everything. I'm the kind of person that goes to a restaurant and says, you've got to try this place, it's amazing, or you've got to see this film. So I do that anyway. So learning this stuff about myself and coming out the other end and seeing, my God, the transformation just towards my feminine side. Mm. So more surrender, being able to trust in life, being able to trust in myself, being able to connect to my partner in a way that I'd never been able to, being allowed, letting the children in, connecting mm. to the kids. All of this came about through inner child work because if your inner child is feeling unsafe, that's the key. If she's feeling unsafe, forget it. You're not going to let anyone in. You're not going to ask for help. You're not going to trust anyone. You're going to be volatile. It's just a kind of perfect storm of horribleness so when you can get your inner child to feel safe and loved everything changes mm. that's a very long answer to why I got into this and why mm. I share it because so much changed for me off the back of it it was the tool that allowed me to access what everyone else was talking about feeling like you're enough feeling calm feeling a sense of inner peace I just thought I have I have to share this Mm, so beautiful and I definitely can relate to you in regards to how you were saying at the beginning there with having to surrender in motherhood a lot because I, I definitely can relate to that I definitely am a bit of a um, can be a perfectionist sometimes so for me moving into motherhood it was just not having that how-to how guide I really did have to learn how to surrender um, and that was really challenging for me to kind of let go of that control. I can definitely relate to you there. Um, but also as well, did you find that motherhood kind of acted a bit of a mirror for you? Because for me, I definitely experienced that very early on going into motherhood and kind of, I remember looking at my daughter and it would trigger me a lot and it would bring up a lot of, um, unhealed stuff from my childhood and um I'm interested did it kind of act for a mirror for you in a way absolutely mm. god yeah I mean I'd already done quite a lot of shadow work so I knew about your shadow side and mm. unintegrated parts of you that you haven't looked at and triggers but motherhood my god it's a whole other level yeah because relationships friendships jobs you can just walk away oh that feels uncomfortable see ya or you know and I was very much kind of doing that I, I I used to leave a lot of relationships I my I've had a very what's it called now portfolio career a lot of my jobs have lasted two two and a half years because if I don't like something I'll try and change it first but if that wasn't happening I'd just leave do something else and children are the only thing in my life that I haven't been able to go oh this doesn't feel good I'm leaving because I don't want to look in. So it's like, okay, <laughs> this is coming up again, that thing that I've been carrying and I can't walk away. So I have to look at it. Absolutely. Yeah. Kids will push all of your buttons mm. over and over again because they want you to be whole, you know, on an energetic level. They want you to be whole. They want you to love yourself. It's just a painful journey to get there. And 
yeah, children absolutely were the catalyst mm. to doing the real healing. I've been doing healing work since I was 23. I'm 45 now. So that's a long time. But it wasn't until I had children that the healing work took a whole different meaning, much, much deeper, much more painful, but also much more rewarding. Because you have to commit in a way to kids that you don't to other forms of life, to other areas of your life. And that's why I only work with mums, because mums have got that level of commitment. We're not doing this healing work just for us. We are, but we're also doing it for the kids. And I, I personally believe that it's our duty as mums to clear the backlog of stuff that's not even ours, you know, it's our grandparents or our great grandparents or whatever. We've got ancestral lines of trauma, for want of a better word. And I believe it's my duty as a mum, because I chose to have children, not to pass that on, which doesn't mean I'm a perfect parent by any means. I'm not, but at least I'm parenting from the present, not from my past. So that's really important to me. And that's why I work with mums, because we do share that commitment. And I mean, you know, I'm, I'm always amazed by what women can achieve, the mums I work with, because they're driven by this selfless need to be the best possible mum that they can be and not recreate the childhood necessarily that they had. Mm, I couldn't agree anymore. And is most definitely the driver for me creating this community as well because I strongly believe and something that really I've only come to realize in my own journey as well of becoming a mum is just how crucial it is for mothers to put their own well-being and healing at the forefront of motherhood so that we're not continuing those those generational cycles of passing down our unhealed traumas onto our children and so we can actually start to raise more conscious and empowered children um, so I would love to kind of start, I mean, before we start going into, I guess, how you start the process of healing, what would, would you be able to sp- explain to us what your definition of what the inner child is? I know it's something that we tend to hear a lot about, and especially on social media, there's so much about traumas and healing, but I would love to know what, how do you define the inner child and how it links to our traumas? Yeah, so for me, inner child is the energy of your child who you still carry, just as you carry the energy of your teenager, just as you carry the energy of any part of your life which was difficult. So the way I see it is uh, that this energy we have for the whole of our lives and we can reconnect to our inner child whenever we want, but most of us haven't done it consciously. Um, so I teach mums how to connect to the inner child consciously and be able to reparent their inner child so that their child feels loved, supported, validated in the way that they weren't as children. Because for many of us, we may have had a childhood that was okay materially, but that doesn't mean that we received the emotional support that we needed in the way that we needed it. For whatever reason, it actually doesn't matter so much whether our parents couldn't or wouldn't. What matters is that gap between what we needed and what we got. And that gap 
is something that we feel through inner child work by loving that inner child in the way that she needs. And only you know what that looks like. What I teach women, therefore, is to be able to give themselves that love by focusing on this inner child, but not by feeling this is another responsibility. And this is kind of really important because when people start, they're like, oh God, now I have to inner parent my child. Just put my three kids to bed. I've just done the dishwasher. I need to put a load on and now I need to parent my child. It feels like another chore. So it's really important to understand actually you, you are not doing the inner parenting. Because when you're feeling anything other, other than Zen, a tongue twister, other than Zen, you are in your child. You are your child. So when I say our inner child is the energy that we carry, most of the time we are consumed by that energy. Most of the time we are our inner child. We know when we're not our inner child because that's when we feel Zen. That's when we feel completely at peace. That might be from doing yoga, that might be from going into nature, that might be from having some time to you doing whatever you want to do. But usually that's quite short lived because we are busy mums. We've got triggers left, right and centre. We've got 10 million balls that are up in the air. So when you feel that that Zen peace, that's your inner wise woman. That's your kick-ass, she can do everything in her stride. She's just not bothered by what anyone else thinks. She's totally in herself and grounded and peaceful. That's hers. You might have had glimpses of her, but she's probably not the one that's running your life. That's what we aim towards. We aim for her to step up more into your life so that you're parenting from your adult. You're connecting with your partner from your adult. The only way we can do that is by ensuring that our child feels safe, loved and validated. So it's about recognizing that we are that child. We don't need to parent our child because we're in our child. Mm. We need to imagine being parented. And that means imagining that we are no longer responsible, that we can give up some of this burden of feeling like we have to do it all alone that there is a loving unconditionally soothing reassuring wise person and it can be we can imagine that it's a mother we can imagine that some people imagine it's mother mary if you're religious you can imagine that it's it can be anything really just a loving presence god whatever you want but it's someone other than us that is parenting us. So we imagine being reparented, not doing the parenting because you can't parent. That's where people get in a muddle. They're like, I can't calm her down because she's really stressed. And I know that's because you're stressed. You Mm. are her. So accept that you're really stressed. I'm in my child. I'm really stressed. That's what's happening. And you imagine being reparented physically, so having your hair stroked, your hair held, your face held, you're, you're being hugged, whatever it is that feels calm and soothing, but you're imagining being reparented. You're not doing it because then it's just another thing on your to-do list, right? Right. So that's, that's, I think, what's important for me to qualify because that's where people get all in a muddle. Mm. Um, so you're imagining being reparented. 
Yeah. So going back to what you just said then in regards to, you know, essentially you are your inner child in those moments of, you know, when you've had your clients say, you know, I can't calm her down, she's stressed and and you kind of bring them back to, well, you are that. So is it essentially really a case of just tapping into what you really need within that moment then? Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. So it's one way of, so it's two things, actually. It's one way of of honing your sense of self-awareness. Absolutely. And I also work a lot with the menstrual cycle. So that's another amazing tool to get more into the body. So inner child work helps you to become aware of your mood, your emotions at any one point, what you need. But mainly we need calming. I'd say that the big 99 out of 100 times, we need to feel safe. And that doesn't mean like physically safe as in you feel like there are bombs going off around you. It's safe to be you, safe to have your needs, safe to be able to express your needs. Because that, crucially, that's what we didn't get. We didn't get our needs validated because our parents couldn't or wouldn't. Mm. We didn't feel that it was okay to cry, to be sad to be angry, to feel frustrated, because we had that shut down. And that's the part of you that gets triggered by your kids. Mm -hmm. So when your kids are moaning, whining, fighting, being annoying, often that can take us back into that really young part of us because we weren't allowed to do that. So we're jealous, we're irritated, um, or it can feel unsafe because if our parents shut us down, when we were doing the things that our kids are doing, it feels unsafe to be around our kids when they're doing that. Mm. Like I, I still find it, I find it difficult when my kids are all, they're really boisterous, my kids. And because there are the three of them, they get really loud, they start shouting at each other. And I know my inner hates that. I, I feel unsafe. I don't like the noise. I don't like the unpredictability. Because again, that was something that I experienced a lot as a child. Unpredictability. My mum was completely emotionally chaotic. It was all over the shop. So I then get triggered back to my inner child. So that's, yes, when you're saying, okay, oh, I'm in my inner child or I'm feeling unsafe. What can I do? And this is the, the tool is to imagine yourself not being alone. That's the second thing. So the first thing is it helps with self-awareness. The second thing is that you're not alone feeling these feelings because that is trauma. So that's going back to answering your question. How does inner child work link to healing our traumas? Trauma isn't so much what was done to you. It's that you were alone with the feelings that whatever was done to you created. Mm. So being alone with really big feelings, fear, hopelessness, powerlessness, um, sadness, grief, anger, being alone with those feelings, that's what causes a long lasting wound. Obviously we can heal it, that's what inner child work does. But the way I do it is by getting my clients to imagine that they're not alone. You're with this wise, loving presence. And that in itself heals the trauma because they're not alone. Mm. They don't have to feel completely overwhelmed and powerless faced with this feeling. So ideally, our parents should have done that. You know, equally on social media, everyone's talking about attachment, co-regulation, 
now, I didn't know any of this when I had kids 11 years ago. No one was talking about it. I had no idea what it was. But now it's quite, people know mm. much more, I think, that you're meant to co-regulate your children. You're meant to be there for them and be there with them during this process of them feeling a difficult feeling because they, they're not psychologically developed enough to deal with it. They don't know how to regulate themselves. But most of us didn't get that. So we've learned that a big feeling that we can't deal with is really scary and it completely overwhelms us. So that's where the inner child reparenting also heals the trauma because we're not alone with those big feelings. And we can almost be imagined being co-regulated by this person. Mm. So when you say that it, it really comes down to, you know, going back to those childhood experiences, it really comes down to not the act itself, but the the emotions that you were left with feeling alone with it. Do you do you mean by that as in them not being you not feeling validated in your emotions at that point? They're yeah, not being validated. as well. Right. There, there's the two things. They're just being left alone, feeling a big feeling that we're not equipped to feel physically we're not evolved enough so when when you're little you can't you can't process big feelings Mm. you're meant to do it with someone else if you can't do it they just get stuffed down Mm -hmm. so that book the body knows the score that they stay in your body the emotions stay in your body and if you don't look as an adult they will come out they have to come out their energy they have to come out at some point and they'll create all sorts of imbalances in you physical mental Mm. emotional so a lot of women have depression or anxiety attacks or autoimmune disorders or they burn out. These are all because the body is still carrying the trauma or the wounds or the imprints mm. that were left in us when we were alone with big feelings. So that's the one bit and the validation bit is the other bit. That's how you were treated by your parents or your primary caregivers and that's how you created self-limiting beliefs such as my feelings don't matter I'm invisible I'm unlovable I am broken so then they're not receiving validation so it's like a double whammy if Mm. you were left if you were shunned a you didn't get validation created all those self-beliefs b you were left with difficult emotions that you couldn't handle that causes lasting trauma so it's really impactful it is um really impactful and i want to add at this point because this is where mums go like oh no god i'm doing it myself this is where we immediately start thinking about what we've done wrong and how we've done we've wounded our kids so all of this is undoable that's the Mm. important thing all of this is undoable that's the whole point of neuroplasticity your brain creates you know um certain patterns but they can be undone That's what I do with mums. And that's where we have to start. So yes, you may have damaged your kids. You may have done things that aren't ideal. And that's okay for now, because you probably didn't do it as half bad a way as your parents. You probably said, sorry, you did the repair work that comes afterwards, that which most of the generation above didn't. So you've said, sorry, you've said, mummy got angry. I shouldn't have, I shouldn't have acted in that way. You've done that whole contextual explanation bit And whatever times you didn't, and I know there were lots of times that I didn't, Mm. you can undo it by, first of all, doing the work on yourself and then repairing with your kids. Because when you do the work on yourself, you're changing your energy. 
And kids pick up on our energy far more than they do on what we say or what we do. Mm. So when you're doing this work, yes, there might be guilt and shame about what you didn't do for your kids. But if you do the work on yourself, everything will change, even without you doing anything, just because your energy, your calmness, all of that is changing because of the work you're doing, your openness, your ability to connect with them on an energetic level. So <clears throat> what are some of the signs that mothers can kind of look at um, to start identifying whether they might have some unresolved trauma? Like how can an inner, uh, unhealed inner child tend to show up in motherhood? Are there some main signs for that? Yeah, so it's what we said at the beginning, triggers. Right. If you're reacting disproportionately to your child's behavior, then that is probably an unhealed wound from your childhood. So what do I mean by disproportionately? I mean, you'll feel it physically, like you'll feel the physical charge. Why? That's because it's triggering what I said before, this unresolved emotion that you haven't fully processed from when you were little. So it's in your body. You'll feel it physically. You might, um, you know, your heart rate, heart rate might start going up or you'll, suddenly feel your shoulders tension, ten, uh, tensing up, or you'll get sweaty palms. It feels, it's a bit, it is, it is it's, in essence, it's a trauma response, really. Mm. So you'll feel it in your body. You'll feel out of control. Again, that's another trauma response. You're feeling out of control because the part of your brain that keeps you logical and calm is kind of bypassed. You're going right back to a much older bit of your brain, a much more emotionally responsive part of your brain. You feel like a toddler having a tantrum. It feels really unmanageable. So we all get triggered by kids throughout the day, throughout the week. They, they, they can be annoying. But this is more than just being annoyed. This is like really feeling a physical reaction that makes you want to scream, makes you want to hit someone, makes you want to just, oh, you feel out of control. That's a disproportionate reaction. When you see red or you're very, very upset by something, then you know, and you know, you know, I'm explaining it theoretically, but mums know, you know, when you're having a disproportionate reaction, you just know it, it doesn't feel mm. right. Yeah, so that's when it's, that's when you need to look at something within you that needs healing, that needs integrating, that needs processing. Mm. And when you've done that, the trigger goes, that's what's amazing about this work, it goes once you've seen it, what it is, that's the first part, making it conscious, making that wound conscious that's half of it because then it's in the light it can be integrated and then the integration process is about feeling those feelings consciously because you couldn't when you were little so we always channel them back to the root cause of the experience which is usually our parents so we do that and then we imagine being in that scenario but being reparented so we're not alone so that's how we heal that trigger. And then the next time the kids do exactly the same thing, or maybe not kids, you know, it could be someone in a call center, it could be your partner, whoever, we don't just get triggered by our kids. But when you next have that same trigger, which links to that self-limiting belief, such as I am unlovable, I am not worthy, my feelings don't matter, you won't react in the same way. That's what's amazing. It might be annoying, but you won't have that, almost out of body, physical, out of control reaction. What's amazing to witness is like, oh my God, I'm not triggered. <laughs> yeah. Wow. How 
having that. Because it works. It works. A hundred percent. So gradually, gradually you become more and more calm, more and more self-aware, more and more able to validate your own feelings. And you become more present. You're more present because you're more in your adult, zen, wise woman, and you're more in the present. You're not constantly in your inner child in the past. Mm. Now, because I like, so for mums that are, you know, sat here listening to this now and thinking, this is definitely me, you know, I'm going about my day-to-day mum life and I'm constantly feeling these big, big emotions and getting, you know, overly triggered constantly. What have you found or can you maybe share with us like what are the most powerful sort of self-soothing practices to kind of use in those moments on the spot? So inner child work means that you get triggered far less than before. So that's Mm -hmm. good. So then they are more manageable because you notice them. But I'd say the biggest tool I have is recognizing how you react. So recognizing how your body is changing and nipping it in the bud, if you can, because that's where we can avoid it. Once it's like you're re- you're reaching, it's like a, a, a speed dial. The speed dial's going up. And when you're at, in the red zone, that's it, you're, you're gone. Mm-hmm. And it can take up to 36 hours, which is, I find incredible. Wow. If you're, you've got all these trauma, um, hormones being released it can take up to 36 hours for those to release that's for people that have had very difficult childhoods and therefore they're already near the red zone it can take a long time so we what we want to do is try and prevent you to go, go from going into this red zone so it's noticing the early warning signals which will be different in everyone and just because, you know, people used to say to me, oh, just breathe to 10, take time out. Those work, but you need to know when to do them. And my problem was always like I was already in the red zone in, mm. or, you know, go to the loo and uh, exit the room. But I was doing that way too late. I was already mad. So it wasn't working or I would do it and then I would come back in and then scream. It's like the scream had to come out then. <laughs> I was too far gone, <laughs> not the need to scream at someone. So it's about recognizing in your body, okay, I'm feeling triggered. I'm feeling unsafe. With me, it's usually feeling unsafe. Like my, my inner child panics. And another thing that you can recognize is, as well as, okay, how does this start? So it could be, uh, a tightening of the chest or you starting to um, clench your jaw or um, tense your muscles and going, oh, my inner child is not feeling safe. And also then knowing what your go-to response is. Like with mine, it's usually fight. I'll scream, I'll shout. Other people might want to flee. Other people might want to freeze. So my partner, for example, he goes into a bit of a freeze response. I'll naturally shout or want to hit hit something, you know, break something. I want to like, it's quite a fiery energy in me. So it's good to know how do I normally react? How does that process begin in me? And then thirdly, what are some ways that I know make me feel grounded? So for me, it's nature. I know that 
sounds really hippy dippy, but just connected to a tree for me, hugging a tree, mm. you know, or putting my feet on the ground or lying down, like lying down makes me feel safer. I feel held. So just lying down on the ground, or if you can, going onto your bed, that, that helps me. So you need to know what are the warning signs, how you normally react, because it's just interesting to see what do I not, how do I normally cope with this feeling of feeling unsafe? And then putting into practice some of the things that you know work for you. And that will be different for everyone. Could be, yeah, a whole whole range of things. But for me, nature is a big one. Mm. So it's a process of self-awareness. And you have to, I guess, go through screwing it up a lot of times yeah. to be able to understand, oh, yeah, that's what I did last time. Last time I, I tried to nip it in the bud and I, it was too late. And, you know, I'm a big fan of being honest. Um, so involving your kids, involving your kids in it, like mummy's getting a bit, mummy's getting angry now. And I'm, I say to them, I'm feeling like I really need to scream now. Okay. I'm really angry. So I really need you to work with me here. Mine are a bit older. You could do that with younger ones as well. I need you to work with me here. Otherwise I'm going to go mental. I don't want to shout at you, but I can feel that I'm about to. So, or I'll say, I need to leave. I'm going upstairs because I'm I'm getting really angry now. So, you know, involving them in it. And then mm. that's, I think that's great role modeling because they need to be exposed to all sorts of feelings. It's not like we're a Buddhist monk and they're only going to be exposed to calm. And then what do they do when they meet a teacher that loses it or someone else that loses it? They need to know what it's like to see someone in, in these big emotive states and how do they manage them? Because that's role modeling. Oh, you can get very angry and then you can calm yourself down. This is how I'm doing it. So mm. I don't think it all has to be down to you. It can be also, they can take a bit of responsibility for, it's not about blaming them, which is what a lot of our parents did. It's like, right, oh, now you've made your mother angry. Now you've upset me. That's like shaming you for having feelings. It's not that. It's, it's making them a partner in like, okay, I can't handle this anymore. You're like, you're bickering or you're screaming or whatever it is that they're doing. I'm getting really uh, triggered now and I, I need you to help me or I'm going to leave the room or whatever. And I think that helps. That helps them to understand that parenting isn't easy as well. That This is mm. something that we're all struggling with you know definitely it kind of shows them you know your humanness but also like you said it is it is kind of in those moments you are essentially teaching them how to um regulate their own emotions you know in demonstrating that and example being that living example I guess yeah yeah and you know I'm also a big fan of letting feelings out so my kids know sometimes I'm like, okay, when it's not got anything to do with them, I'm like, I'm just feeling really angry right now. Mm. I need to scream. <laughs> so I'm going to go off and scream. I'm going to go into the bedroom. I'm going to hit a pillow against the wall. Okay. So if you hear it, that's what I'm doing. And my, <laughs> not all of them do that, but two, my two girls go off and do that. They've gone into the garden. They've had a good, good scream. Then they come back and they feel better. Oh, great. Mm. I've even screamed in the car. Sorry, guys. I really need to scream. I'm feeling like I, I just can't do anything. You can, so they put their fingers in there. <laughs> and then they're like, ah, done, better. You know? Yeah. I'm, I'm not perfect. I'm definitely a work in progress. So 
I don't think there's anything wrong with sharing that. Sharing do you think that, you ever sharing. become, sorry, I was just going to say, do you, do you think you ever become un, fully unhealed? No, I think it's a pro, I think it's a work in progress and healing is linear. Sorry, not linear. Healing is not linear. Healing is a spiral. So you just go deeper and deeper on that spiral. You go deeper and deeper towards the core. And you might feel sometimes that you have the same triggers. And sometimes I'm like, seriously, I've done this. I've like mm. done this. What, why <laughs> is this coming up for me again? And that's about accepting then maybe there's a level of, okay, this maybe is my biggest wound and it will maybe never go away and I have to be okay with that because we always want to fix things don't we I want to be healed I want to be fixed I want to be good I want to be calm and part of the journey is understanding that you may always get triggered by that but to a lesser and lesser degree but it may always be there in some form and that's okay Mm. that's okay so, yeah, I don't think we're ever fully healed, but we can definitely be more calm, definitely be more happy, be more present, be more centered. And that's something that continues. And I know I, for one, and I'm sure you feel the same. Every year I look back and I think, my God, I've done so much work on myself this year. I feel like even over sometimes six months, I'm like, I'm a completely different person to who I was six months ago. And you kind of, I I always think that can't continue, surely. And yet the next six months, I'm again different. So it's almost like we're constantly massively evolving. And inner child work to me is the first key step. I call it like the emotional heavy lifting. That bit's the hardest bit because you're kind of trawling through your past. And it's the first time perhaps that you're allowing these feelings to be processed properly and that can be quite shocking if you've never been back there in decades that's Mm -hmm. the hardest bit but after that it gets much more you're just tweaking here and there and Mm -hmm. it can you can have episodes but it's much easier so I think healing is a spiral but it gets easier and the first bit is definitely the hardest and that's why I think in a child work, because you've got someone with you, you're imagining this older, kinder, more stable, unconditionally loving person, that that makes it a lot easier than it maybe would be using other tools for mm. me. Yeah. And do you like I, I know from my experience and all the mothers that I've had conversations um, with about this and in, in regards to the topic of healing, like I almost feel like there's a more so with mothers this notion that are kind of not wanting to face it because they just feel like on top of everything else and on top of motherhood like the idea of bringing up such heavy stuff like bringing up those unresolved traumas and trying to deal with that while in the midst of motherhood is too much and so they just prefer to be naive to it and avoid it almost um, so I don't know, like, what would your advice be to women that are kind of feeling like that? Because I have had lots of conversations with mums that um, have had that sort of response. So firstly, you can't avoid it just because you don't want to do it. It will come up. Mm. It will come up in your kids. It'll come up in your triggers. It'll come up with your lack of intimacy with your partner. It'll come up in work. You'll feel like 
you're not being listened to, or you're being ignored. So you can't actually avoid it. You can't avoid it by not looking at it. And these feelings of overwhelm, anxiety, fear of going there will just get worse. So unfortunately, if that's what you're, well, it's your choice, right? But the only way is through. Mm. (laughs) The only way is through. So the minute you start this work, it starts to get better. Mm. So it might feel like, oh my God, I can't go there. It's too big. But the minute you say, okay, I'm going there, it starts to ease off. So the part of you that's saying, I don't want to go there, that's your ego. Your ego doesn't want you to heal. Your ego has no interest in you healing. Your ego feeds off drama. Mm. Your ego feeds off being in control of you. So it will come up with every single excuse. I don't have the time. I don't have the money. I don't have the headspace. Whatever it is, it's going to be too painful. That's your ego. Because the more work you do in becoming self-aware, calm, uh, able to regulate yourself, if you regulate yourself, your ego doesn't have a voice. Your ego will be very, very, we can't get rid of it completely, but it can be very, very weak. It will mm. always be there, but be very quiet. And obviously it doesn't want to be quiet. It, it's its own almost entity. That's how I see it. So it doesn't want that. So it will fight tooth and nail against that. But the minute you start doing this work, if you recognize that's my ego saying that my ego doesn't want me to change because right now it's in control. It's loving this drama, Mm. loving every minute. So it will say that it doesn't want to change and the ego likes what's familiar, likes Mm. what's comfortable and familiar. Even if it doesn't feel comfortable, even if it feels horrendous, that's what it likes. So any excuses, if you can say, well, that's my ego, my psyche, on the other hand, my psyche or my soul That's the part of me that wants to do this work. That's the part of me that is being triggered. Triggers are pointers. Panic attacks are pointers. Depression is a pointer. Uh, Autoimmune disease, any kind of psychological, they're not psychological, but they're, yeah, linked to your immune system, which is part of your nervous system. Anything like this are pointers that you are ready. Mm. And yes, it is gonna be painful. At the beginning, that's something that you have to feel ready for and committed to doing. But most of my clients get to the point where they can't bear it anymore. They they have to do the work mm. because they've been driven to rock bottom. And that rock bottom might be depression. It might be anxiety. It might be anger, being constantly angry. And when you get to that, visit, that place, there's no choice. There's no option anymore. It's like, I can't do this. Not only is it killing me emotionally but it's really bad for my kids it's not the kind of mum I want to be I'm not being the kind of partner I want to be I'm not mm. the woman I want to be it's just this is not how I imagined life this is crap this is I deserve more yeah. that's the point at which you can't put it off anymore so there is something about being ready and some people never do this work ever Mm. And I guess they're okay with the level of triggering that they're experiencing. So that's fine. If, if you're in a place where you're like, I just can't face it, then that sounds to me as though you're not ready. Mm. Because when you feel like there's nothing else you can do, then you're ready. Right. That's definitely that a common theme that, yeah, I definitely hear. It seems like when people 
kind of make that that step and commitment into their healing it's usually they've they hit this pivotal point within their life where they're just like enough is enough now and like you said just can't bear but I think for um for me when I've had those conversations with mums and for me personally it's, it's also been just really continuously tapping into my why why am I doing this as well like why am I why is it important to me that I heal this and for me hugely for my daughter and like you know this work is about ensuring that I she never experiences what I experienced as a child and then I never put that on that those traumas onto her and continue that generational cycle so for me it's really been about continuing with why I'm doing this yeah yeah and that's why I love working with mums because we have we all share that why too Mm. so yeah I think you're totally right about that pivotal moment and for me it was motherhood because a lot of times when we become mothers we unconsciously do parent like our parents Mm. we're not even aware of it and then we might do something then we're like what where did that come from that is not the kind of parent I want to be like how did that even happen and that's uh, that's a kind of catalyst towards understanding why we act and react in the way that we do like what are what are the patterns that I'm carrying how do they manifest in me why are they there Mm. so different people will have different experiences that lead them into this work um, sometimes it's desperation, as we've said. Sometimes it's curiosity. Sometimes it's that des- desperate, if you want, drive not to repeat the patterns that we were exposed to. Um, sometimes it's seeing that we're already doing it. Mm, yeah. Sometimes Amazing. it's problems with our partners. So a lot of a lot of mums come to me saying they're about to get divorced. And, um, you know, in a really bad way with their partners, not because there's anything intrinsically wrong with the relationship. They can't see that. They feel it is. So they're kind of blaming their partner. That doesn't mean that their partner is blameless. There's reasons that they've kind of fallen out of love or fallen out of intimacy. But often it's because that spark's not there anymore or that connection rather spark comes and goes I think in in every relationship but there's not that connection anymore and that's often because they've been relating to their partner from their inner child so maybe their partner's been making them feel safe rather than doing it from within or their partner's been making them feel loved or validated so the things that I teach mums to do by themselves. So when their partner changes or when their partner has a changes jobs or has a stressful period where they can't do that anymore, um, all hell breaks loose because they've become dependent on that external source of love, support and validation. And that's what we do until we provide it to ourselves. We look for it in our colleagues, in our employers, in our employees. We look for it in our kids. A lot of mum look look for that unconsciously in their children, like we want to be validated by our children. Obviously, all of that's unhealthy. So it's really important to understand that we have to do this work for ourselves. And sometimes, yeah, the kind of breakdown of the relationship that you had is another catalyst. And it turns out it's not about your partner. Because when you start doing the work on yourself, 
you start to accept yourself. And when you can accept yourself, you can start to accept others on a whole different level. And there's compassion for yourself, there's compassion for your partner. So usually um, relationships hugely improve. Sometimes they break down, but when they break down, they do so from a place of clarity and consciousness and almost um, collaboration mm. because you're no longer in that triggered state, blaming. You're able to say, this isn't working for me and I've changed and you've changed. So it's, yeah, a lot of things change when you do this work. It's not just yeah. about being a mom, it's about like being a, a partner. Yeah. Yeah, I absolutely love it. I absolutely adore and love the work that you're doing. And I think it is so crucial. And thank you so much for your time today and sharing everything. I could speak to you for hours because this topic just interests me so much, but I'm wary of our time. So um, I'd love for you to tell us kind of what's next for you and your journey. Like, do you have anything that you're currently creating through your coaching at the moment? I'd love to hear kind of what your visions are and what you have planned oh what I have planned that's a good one retreats are what mm. I have planned it's always been in the back of my head I've obviously got bloody covid so that's yeah. not <laughs> happening right now uh, but that that is what I would like to do more intensive um retreats maybe three day where we really focus in on everyone's inner child really get them understanding how how to connect to their inner child how to inner parent um, so that's in the pipeline god knows when but <laughs> um, otherwise I just I, I offer the one-to-one coaching and I've got three e-courses as well so mm. you know the one-to-one coaching is really intense and bespoke and I offer 24-7 online access to me which is why I get the results I get because going back to this feeling alone I am there, you know, on a, on a macro level, I'm in a parenting their child until they can do that by being there 24 seven. So they're with them. I'm holding their hand and that gives them the courage and strength to do it. So that's the one-to-one coaching, but also I've got three self-led programs. So I mentioned the menstrual cycle before. That's such an incredible tool for self-awareness and self-compassion. I've been doing that for six years now and it's amazing and every woman I teach it to is blown away by the wisdom the innate wisdom of their mm. bodies incredible so that's a self-led course it's very affordable um, I've got another one on finding freedom which is teaching you in a child work in a critic how to tame your inner critic and how to release your feelings consciously that's again, you can do it yourself. You've got it forever. You can keep doing it over and over again. And then the other one is on inner Zen. So that's on, we touched on it. So uh, the ego, drama, how in, knowing how to accept reality rather than fighting it, knowing how to be more Zen, basically. So yeah, for people that, that, that don't have perhaps the financial means or the time to dedicate to a one-to-one program, I've got those other options, which are very affordable, very easy, very accessible. Amazing. So for all of our listeners, if you would like to follow um, Lavinia's journey and interested in knowing more about what she has to offer, please make sure to 
head on over and show some love to her socials. Um, how can our listeners find you? So I'm on my website, LavinyaBrown.com. That's got all the courses on it. Um, tells you all about my programs. And I post, how much do I post? Four times a week on Instagram, Lavinia Brown Coaching and Facebook, Lavinia Brown Coaching. So that's all lots of free content there, all about the stuff that we've been talking about. Amazing. Thank you so much, Lavinia. My absolute pleasure. Thank you, Jade. Mamas, if you enjoyed this episode and would like to hear more from the Mother Her podcast, please make sure to spread the love, like and subscribe so you can keep up to date with all our latest episodes and interviews. You can also head on over via the link in the episode bio to the Mother Her Instagram community, where you'll find your weekly dose of inspiration, tips and talks all on motherhood empowerment. So I hope to see you all there.